Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. In the book of Psalms, I'm going to ask you to join me in the 61st Psalm, Psalm 61. And um, among these are some familiar words. Let's let the Lord speak to our heart again here this evening with a fresh anointing. Psalm 61 and verse number 1. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. We have quoted at least the latter portion of that verse countless, countless times. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. Amen. Lord, I love you this evening, and I pray that your sweet, sweet spirit would just touch us again as we intentionally warm our hands and our heart around the word of God tonight that gives light and it gives direction, it gives strength and hope. And I pray this evening that before we leave this house, we will all reach the conclusion that this has been time well spent. This has been effort, energy, and resources, God, that have been well invested this evening in Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Praise the Lord. You can be seated. David (coughs) could have written this psalm Um, without question, David could have written this psalm during many of the times that he found himself in danger because David found himself in trouble pretty often. However, um, some historians, if not most, believe that this psalm was written during the season of Absalom's rebellion in 2 Samuel, beginning in 2 Samuel 15. And so, uh, if you know anything about that story and the rebellion of his very own son, what a a very bloody and tragic uh, circumstance that is revealed to us in that particular passage of Scripture just a few weeks ago in my daily reading, I was actually journeying through this story, and it is uh, quite gruesome and, and overwhelming when you think about that this would happen to a man and certainly when you think that that would happen at the hands of his very own son. And so with that set as a prism for us to look through, we can certainly understand David's peril in his heart. Uh, This was not some whimsical writing uh, where he just sort of felt overwhelmed, picked up a pen, wrote a few things down. This was a man's heart who was bleeding and crushed under the weight of a son who was not just rebelling against him behind closed doors or in the shadows uh, of life, but Absalom certainly played out his rebellion 
for the world to see. There's an interesting phrase that's used in the latter portion of verse number four, and this is what David says, I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Not just being protected by his wings, but to be hidden by his wings or in his wings. And, and I think there are certain times that we need to be hidden. Amen. We just need in out of the weather. We need in out of the storm. And we need the presence of God to cover us and just protect us. If I could <coughs> say this without sounding too mushy, we just need the Lord to hold us sometimes. Amen. I'm convinced that one of the greatest privileges that we possess as children of God is both the opportunity and the privilege to pray. I, I, I know that many times people look at prayer as a chore or as a task. Prayer is sometimes looked at that thing that we just kind of need to check that off of our to-do list today. But if that is your opinion of prayer, I really, really would ask you to reassess that because prayer is such a wonderful privilege and an opportunity. I try to often thank the Lord in prayer for the privilege to pray. And mankind, what is man that thou art mindful of him? David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And so who, who is man or what is man that you would lend your ear to my voice? And why would you turn your attention to my circumstance or my peril? And so... I feel very humble to be able to pray. The ability to pray has certainly been given to everyone. Uh, anybody can pray. But I think the privilege of prayer is extended to those who will engage in that and not just realize that it's an opportunity or it's the ability, an ability that I have, but it's something that I will engage myself. I'm going to be intentional about that. If you have a prayer life today, a regular prayer life, a daily prayer life, you understand that that can be a challenge at times. You've, you've got to make sure that that's a part of my day. I gotta make sure that I do that. And, uh, and it's a privilege to be able to just lift our voices. And I understand, I think Brother Bobby Gibson Sunday morning talked about that the altars and the importance and the privilege of having a place to go and pray. Our altars may not look like the Ark of the Covenant. It may not look like something we see or read a description of in Scripture. Our altars today may be, um, may be very common pieces of furniture. I, most often at home, I pray at the same chair in our living room every morning. That's my altar. Amen. I, I have a, a pillow there. I know just how to hold that pillow, and that's my favorite place. That's my favorite place and favorite position to be in prayer. And so it doesn't look like an altar. You wouldn't mistake it for an altar, but I'm thankful for that privilege to be able to meet with the Lord right there, right there. Psalm 61 is a prayer. I think not just a casual prayer, but I think Psalm 61 is a very deep and a very emotional prayer. I don't think that we could just read through it and grasp all of its depth or its breadth. I don't think that we could get everything that it has for us by just merely passing our eyes over a few words. But I believe that David in the throes of the things that were going on in his life understood clearly that I am facing something larger than me. I don't have an answer for this and so I need to be led to a rock that is higher than I. With only a few exceptions, I believe that we most all run the same course in life. 
We are certainly born into this world helpless and needy and had it not been for someone there to feed us and change us and protect us from danger, then we would not be where we are today. We come into the world passing down through the same course in life. It's God's plan, I think, to place a rock in our lives. The scripture says that he set up the solitary into families. And so we're not just <clears throat> we're not just born and cast beside the road, but God places a rock in our lives, whether that is a biological parent or a caretaker. Someone is there to make sure that we are protected and we have the fundamental things in life that we need. That is the will of God. It must be someone strong. It has to be someone secure. It has to be someone that both has the ability and the fortitude to provide protection for us. I'm thankful for that. We don't remember those days of our lives, many of us much too young, but aren't you thankful that as we begin to get acquainted with those rocks, amen, we realize what a protector they were. And and, uh, in the waning days and weeks of my father's life, he did not want us to care for him. He was a very independent man and, and uh, in a, if I could use the word proud and not, and you take that wrong, but a proud man. And, and finally one day I just had to tell him, I said, Dad, we're just trying to do for you. I am just trying to do for you at this point in your life what were you were doing for me on the other end of this spectrum. Amen. And so there was a day that I needed you to be my rock and today I am called on to be that rock for you. And, and so we find ourselves in that position and, and uh, we, have to, we have to have that person to lean on or that rock in our lives. But in time, in time as life moves forward, we become more capable of taking care of ourselves, and that's a good thing, but it can be a bad thing spiritually. Generally, given a little more time, we become ourselves a rock to someone else. Actually, Needing that kind of rock is not truly a problem in our walk with God and our growth because most people can handle needing someone when we are helpless. But when we get dependent and we get grown, then, you know, children are not very old before when you try to feed them, they take the spoon from you. They, even if they can't say it, they're saying, I got this. I got this. Now, they may have... You know, they may have mashed carrots all in their eyebrows and everything, but they got this. They got theirs. There's a streak of independence in all of us. Amen. And so when we come into our adulthood spiritually, if we're not careful, we will think that we're capable of a lot more things than we truly are. And we, we don't want the Lord to ever think or someone else around us to sense or think that there would ever be a moment of weakness in our life, that we would actually need that rock. We're strong, secure, and I'm thankful today that we are among people that this, this evening in this very building that are rock, strong, and secure. I'm thankful to be around, around people and with people that are not easily shaken, but they can hold themselves together in the, in the midst of a storm. People build on rocks. People hide behind rocks. People run to rocks in the times of distress. I think all of us can appreciate the the language that, that the psalmist David uh, is using in his psalm, he speaks of this rock that is higher than I. He has reached a point of desperation, a place in his life where he realized that he is outgunned, he's outmanned, life has just hemmed him up. 
in a corner. And we have all been there. If you haven't been there, we will be there. I don't say that to sound sarcastic or even humorous, but life has a way of just making you realize how small and frail we can truly be. And so David has reached this place of desperation and he recognizes that I need something beside myself. I need something besides my own intellect, my own strength and my own abilities and I don't wanna get ahead of myself this evening, but I think we need to realize who we're talking about here. We're talking about King David, not David the shepherd boy. We're not talking about a frail teenage boy on the, on the backside of nowhere that's just tending a few sheep. We're talking about a man who is both large and in charge, a man who really has it together in many areas of his life, but he recognizes that I've got to have something that is more secure than I. I think each of us reach that place in our lives, and frankly, I think we reach that place more than once. (coughs) It's then that we have the, the privilege to pray, and it's then that the value of prayer becomes more and more more and more, uh, we become more and more, I should say, I guess, aware of the value of prayer. We say often, uh, not not, uh, in a boastful way or in a condemning way, but we say truthfully, I don't know what people do who don't know where to turn in the times of trouble. I'm thankful to have people that we can call on to pray that we know will pray. Uh, A few days ago, we had... Uh, just a small crisis. I'm not sure if you would call it a crisis, but it seemed like that at the time. And I called a pastor friend of mine. He and his wife happened to be home. And I found solace in these few words. He said, I want you to know that we're gonna stop what we're doing and we're kneeling to pray right now. Now, I understand that we don't always have the privilege to do that. Sometimes we may get a phone call riding down the road and things of that nature, but I found solace in the fact that someone said, you know what, I'm gonna stop everything that I'm doing and we're going to, I found solace in the fact they were going to kneel, (laughs) they were going to kneel and pray that someone was taking this petition before the Lord right there at that particular moment. I'm thankful for the privilege of prayer and for me it went up in value in that particular moment. And so this rock that David speaks about listens, I think, for a cry of helplessness, a rock that's willing. And so I'm thankful for a rock that's higher than I. I'm thankful that I don't have to rely on my strength, my wisdom, or my power to make it through life because there are times I don't have strength and I don't have wisdom and I don't have power. And so at those moments, I would be completely static in my walk with God. And so I'm thankful that I don't have to just rely on me, but I can go to someone who is higher than I. Several things about this psalm I think have significance. To begin with, the most powerful man in Israel is the man who is penning these words. He's powerful, he's a wise man, he's a wealthy man. He knows about war, he knows about warfare, he knows about, <clears throat> he knows about dealing with problems and perils and troubles in his life. Here's a man who sits in a beautiful palace surrounded by great signs of wealth and power and they're not facades. These are not not just pretend like. He's not just playing king. He's not just playing throne but he is truly the king. He is surrounded by everything that he would ever need. Every earthly need that this man would ever have has been met. Every wish that would ever come across his list 
has been satisfied. He has a great army. It's filled with courageous men. It's filled with talented soldiers. Amen. I think there is a significance in the fact that this cry comes from the heart of a powerful man. Now, if this was, you know, if we knew David just to be a crybaby and just to kind of whine about every little thing that come on his life, then we, we wouldn't really be moved by this. But when you think about a man of war, a leader among leaders, a man among men, when we think about that, then we realize that this is a God-called, a God-fearing leader, a man anointed by Samuel the prophet. I mean, to me, this makes the prayer or this cry even more valuable. Here is a man who could call, uh, he, he could call hundreds, if not thousands of men to his aid, but he realized that's not gonna fix what's wrong in my life. He could, have, he could have called for more gold or more silver uh, to have been brought into his presence, but he realized this is not, that's not gonna fix what's wrong in my life right now. And he needed something that was greater than him. And we find <coughs> this intriguing because um, a lot of times, especially when we think about today, most powerful people don't call out for help. They just feel like, I got it. I'll take care of it. But I think David is teaching us a lesson of when it's right, the right time to stand and when it's the right time to kneel. When it's the right time to keep your face straight and your shoulders square and when there's a time that we raise our hands and we lean in and say, I can't do this by myself. I remember many, many years ago meeting a man who um, after church was at the church rather was trying to move a piano and several people kept trying to offer help and he kept saying I got this I got this I got this I'm not sure what point he was trying to prove in his own mind but he did irreparable damage to his back and suffered to his dying day all because he said I got this I got this I got this amen I want you to get the whole scene he's not doing this in a vacuum He's not saying, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, while he's standing by himself. But there are able-bodied men willing to help. And sometimes we are much the same way. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Amen. And when there are angels, there's a spirit and a power and a presence of God that wants to encompass our mind, our heart, our home. Amen. God wants to help. Amen. The pleasure, the pleasure of the Lord is to bring us pleasure. <laughs> the pleasure of the Lord is to be there with us to help us. There's nothing more significant perhaps in the heart and the mind of a parent or a, uh, or a guardian to help someone that you're in care of, to be able to meet that need and to be able to be there when they need you. And so how much more if common men, amen, if fleshly men can think to do that, then how much more would God want to be there for us? Amen, so here is this God-called leader, amen, who was not too proud to say, I need something greater than me. King David was, uh, was undeniably a rock to Israel, amen, but he realizes himself where his strength lies and where his real security was, King David was a commander-in-chief of all the armies of Israel. Amen, and yet he acknowledged that I need the commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. Praise God. Amen, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David was setting aside his power 
his strength, his wisdom, and acknowledging that there was something beyond him. I wonder today what would happen in all of our lives if we would more readily, amen, slip into that place, into that gear to say, Lord, I need you. I don't wanna carry this by myself. I don't wanna carry this unnecessarily, but I wanna place this in your hands. That's why David got the attention of God, I believe. That's why David got the mercy of God. This is why David was called a man after God's own heart because he knew when to cry out for help. David realized that there was a place bigger than him and we should never lose sight of that. And so David said, lead me there. He knew that he needed a rock for himself. I need a fortress in my own life. I need some strength and you and I are no different. We need a secure place to run and there are times You don't have to get up and run around the building about this, but there are times we all need a place to hide. Amen. And sometimes we, like David, need to be led there. Paul addresses this very thing in the book of Romans chapter 10. In Romans 10, 13, he said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then verse 14, follow carefully. He said, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Here's this three pretty important and significant questions. It's a rather odd progression to, to some degree to walk through. Nevertheless, it's the word of God. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher? And so it's evident from the very nature that we're born with that we don't have our head or our direction is not toward the things of righteousness. That's not where our natural bent is. We have to have something and someone to lead us. Amen, to lead us. That's, That's not where our heart is by nature. It's eye-opening when you realize as a parent that you don't have to teach your children to do wrong. The very first time they get caught in conflict, they just lie like they've been doing it for 50 years. That's the truth. Amen. It it just rolls right out. They didn't have to think about it. Not at all. I I don't know. It's, it's, It's circulated around on Facebook several times, but... There's a picture of a couple of young boys who apparently got into some paint and uh, they've got it's what it looks like paint all over them. One of the boys in the video was sitting a little bit in front of his, apparently, I guess, his younger brother. And so the father is somewhat scolding them, but it's so cute, you know, every, every parent, certainly every grandparent could see the humor in this. And so as the father begins to scold them, he's trying to find out who was, who was the instigator behind all of this and so the young man in front doesn't really want to rat out his brother out loud but with his eyes he's telling a story all of its own because he's going (laughs) I don't know how true any of those nods were but no one had to tell him how to navigate through that just nature can I say sin (laughs) sin teaches us because that's what direction we're born headed in And so it's not inconsequential that David said, lead me 
to that rock that is higher than I. There's a proclivity in my life that may take me in another direction. It may take me in the wrong direction. So I need something or someone that can provide for me some guidance to lead me to that place of correction, to lead me to that place. We talk about um, leading worship or leading in praise or leading in prayer. I think that that's an important thing. I think there are times that we need someone to lead us in worship. I understand that we shouldn't have to be pumped and primed and threatened into worship and things of that nature, but we need someone to lead us and to guide us. There are certain events that we host from time to time at the campground specifically is what I'm thinking about where we have focused prayer, a season of focused prayer and there are people that come to the platform and maybe for two or three minutes they lead us in focused prayer about one certain thing and I've always thought that was really kind of neat that we can get a congregation and get our minds on one place, somebody that would, let's not just pray generally right now, let's pray specifically, let's target, and we need somebody to lead us in that prayer. And so David was saying, lead me to that rock. I don't want to trust the whimsical, the whelms of my spirit or my, or my mind or my heart. I don't want to trust my feelings or my emotions or my conscience. I need someone to lead me. To that rock. I mean, it seems it seems contrary in our own spirit that we would need to be led. But if you think about with that with me, it's really true. We need somebody to lead us to that place of hope and to lead us to that place. Lead me to that rock. Amen. Don't think for a moment that we're just going to stumble on that rock that is higher than us or that we're just going to accidentally come up on something that's going to help us. There are times we need to be intentional about these things. Amen. We've got to be intentional about these things. I had to see my doctor today for a regular checkup and so he asked me a very simple question. He's filling out my prescription. He said, are you taking your medicine? It's okay. You take it every day. Mm -hmm. I have it set in a certain place. I take it a certain time every night. Okay. He said, you'd be surprised how many people don't take their medicine. All the hope, and he made a point. He's been doctoring a long, long time for decades and he said, I remember before this medicine was even available and people were dying and no one could figure out why they were having strokes and no one could, fi- could figure out why this was going on, that was going on. He said then, and then said, finally, uh, science and technology ca- catches up and we figure out what it is and now we have, a, we have an answer and people won't take the medicine. And I sensed, and I'm using the word frustration very, very loosely because he wasn't being out of hand at all. But I sensed a frustration. I remember a time where people were dying because we didn't have this. Now we have the answer. We have the antidote. I write a prescription and people feel it and they take it home and they won't take it. Can you imagine that there's something that can help us but we wouldn't ask for it? Amen, there is a consciousness in our heart that we know we need help, 
but we won't ask anyone to lead us, take me, amen, help me. Amen, we need God to help us at times. We need to be led to things. We need people around us to help us to be led, amen, to take us. We're not just gonna come up on some certain things. It's gonna have to be pretty intentional. And if we're gonna maintain our spiritual health, it's gonna have to be intentional about that as well. And so that's why Jesus said that there's only one gate to the sheepfold. Furthermore, he went on to state that if anybody tries to come any other way, he said they're a thief and a robber because we've got to have this path that takes us there. Please don't ever buy into the philosophy that every road leads you to to the Lord. It, it doesn't. Amen. We've got to be intentional about what we're going to do. Amen. Someone has to has to be led of God. Amen. We need to be led of the Spirit of God. We need the ministry to help us. And I, I need a voice of ministry in my own life. So I'm not feathering my nets, but I'm telling you that we need, how can they hear if somebody's not preaching the word of God? How can we know if it's not being declared? And so these things are gifts of God. Somebody has to be led of God to do this. Amen. We need the Spirit of God to do this. We need a literal voice in our lives to do this. But Collectively, they help us find our way to that rock that is higher than I. Amen. God desires for, for anyone in any circumstance to be able to find their way to him. There are places where there's no written word available. Amen. In places in our world where there's no written word available. But even if there were, even if there if there if there was the ability to have the written word. There may not even be the economic base or the finances for people to buy the written word of God. Amen. That's why we support missionaries with our prayers and with our finances. Amen. And and I, as I was talking about Sunday morning, I believe if and when people exhibit a desire for the word of God, the Lord's gonna send them a preacher. He's gonna send somebody to teach them the word of God. Another reason it's so important to have the infilling of the Holy Ghost is found in the fact that the scripture says that the Holy Ghost will lead us and guide us into all truth. We need all of these elements working together in our lives. There are some churches, as our missionaries have told us, that are so far out that the pastor can't be there every week like we're accustomed to here. And these congregations have to rely on the Spirit of God to hold them and to keep them in check. I'm thankful, amen, I'm thankful that the Spirit can lead us and guide us. Brother Rayleigh mentioned a moment ago about some people that are, are shut in and unable to come to the house of worship maybe for extended periods of time that we need the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need that spirit that can lead us and guide us. Praise God. The church at large, we are blessed. We are blessed. I think we're blessed as a local congregation, but certainly the church at large is blessed to enjoy these gifts, the word, the spirit of God. Amen. The ministry to help lead us and guide us to that rock. And God wants to use all of those things. Amen. David begins with verse two in these words. He said, from the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee, even or will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed? I think we've all been right there. I mean, we felt like that we were the opposite end of the world from God. So distance between us, so much distance between us and God. And there's no worse feeling in the world. <laughs> there's no worse feeling in the world than to feel like you're separated from God. David was overwhelmed with his life, and I will take, say again, rightly so. 
with his circumstances, with his need. Not only was he overwhelmed, but he felt distance with God. So in truth, David had two problems. He had, he had some natural physical problems going on, but he felt a spiritual separation. And when we've been there in our lives, we need to cry. Amen, we need to pray. Nothing brings us closer to God than prayer. And, and can I just say this tonight, that the more awkward it feels to pray, the more you ought to pray. If it feels unnatural, the more awkward that feels, amen, that may be a sign that we need to pray all the more. Praise God. Amen. Sometimes we try to be so strong ourselves, so self-reliant that we don't just break down and cry out and ask the Lord to help us. And I, I think it's I think it's interesting how it's a very short psalm, Psalm 61. I think it's interesting how this psalm both begins and how it ends. It begins with a cry for help, but it ends with praise. Amen. And that's a great lesson on why we ought to pray when we are overwhelmed with life. Amen. Because our prayers can start out as cries, but they can end with praise. We've come to the house of God. Let's just be frank. We've come to the house of God when we didn't feel like coming. It would have probably been easier and more convenient not to have come. But we came in with a cry. But we left with a praise in our heart because somewhere, amen, the word of God, the spirit of God, and the man of God helped us to be led to a rock that was higher than us. We got our feet placed on the rock and we got some things established and some things confirmed. Amen. In Jeremiah 33 and 2, Jeremiah says this, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. All of this begins with this, call unto me. Call unto me. Just call to the Lord and he said, I will answer you. God knows that we can't make it through life without some help and so he hungers for us to pray. The word says to us, you have not because you ask not. It's so simple right there, so simple. And so if your situation is too much, then if we can't carry it any further than the altar, that's where we need to carry it and say, Lord, I'm laying this in your hands. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come and, and you can stand if you like. The Bible tells us about the Queen of Sheba. She came and was given a tour of the kingdom of Solomon. Solomon was a rich man, a wise man, a powerful man. And the Lord said to Solomon, there would be none before you and none after you. So Solomon is a man in a league of his absolute own, according to the word of God. His in, Solomon's inheritance from David was massive, not counting the blessings of God upon Solomon's life. The queen of Sheba came, saw his lands, his palaces, his servants, his gold. She came back to the throne with a remarkable description of it all. And she says, I've, I've heard of your wisdom, I've heard of your power, uh, of your kingdom, but, but her take on all of this was the half had not been told. I think that's a tremendous description of the kingdom of God. And I think that all of us to some measure have tasted the spirit of God. We've experienced the power of God. 
But I think we could say the half has not been told. We have not experienced but just a morsel of what the Lord has in store for us. We've admired the beauty of God's creation, but there's one thing for certain. We have not exhausted the beauty of God's creation. Amen. And so it, it doesn't matter how long we serve the Lord. He's the highest of all rocks. It doesn't matter what we know about him. He's the highest of all rocks. It doesn't even matter what the Lord's already done for us. He's still the highest of all rocks. And so no matter what we've experienced in the Lord, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Brother McElhaney used to always say, we're holding the little end. <laughs> Some of you remember that. We're holding the little end of the biggest or the greatest thing in this world. And so true, we're holding just the little end. And so the majority of who and what God is has truly been hidden for us from us because our flesh can't comprehend it. And so that's why the Bible says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have they entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. We can't even comprehend it. Amen. And so tonight I just ask that we would place our trust and our confidence in the Lord. I'm gonna go back to where we began, Psalm 61 and four. I will abide in the tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert, the covering, the hiding of thy wings. In 2 Samuel chapter 10, David's intentions were pure. And he sends a group of his men to Hanan to honor him for his father's sake. And when the men of Hanan got word that David was sending men there, they got in David's they got in Hanan's ear and they said, "Do you really think that David is coming down here just to bestow blessings upon us. You, he's coming to kill us. He's coming to wreak havoc upon us. And so Hanan had his men, you can read this in 2 Samuel 10, had his men to, to capture David's men and he shamed them. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. He shamed them, mortally shamed them. And this is what David said to fighting men of warfare. To men who knew what it was like to go into the throes of the heat of the battle. He said to these men, you go to Jericho until you're healed, until you're restored. Even to fighting men, David realized there's times in your life you're gonna need to go to a place that's an absolute refuge Amen. So I say tonight, no matter who we are, David understood the value of being led to a rock. I wonder tonight if we could, before we walk away from this building in the presence of the Lord, maybe just make an altar where you are, if that was be your choice this evening. But just thank the Lord for the privilege of prayer. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to bring my petitions to you. I'm thankful tonight, God, that we are not in this race alone. But we have your help, your strength. We have your guidance. We have your hand. We have your promises upon our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Jesus. 
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 Let's magnify him together now, shall we? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.